I'm here at the Game Developers Conference, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Matthew Jukes, and I'm a partner at uh, Twisted Oak Studios, which is a Halifax, Nova Scotia-based development shop. Okay, and so you pretty much do contract work for um, other other studios and producers? Yeah, um, we are a developer-only studio. We're a cooperative of six computer scientists, and we fill a niche where a core creative team of a producer and perhaps a lead art, uh, art designer or game designer um, are looking to make a game uh, but don't want to manage an in-house full development studio. So they'll hire us and they'll gather an art team or uh, ask us to outsource an art team, and we will take art assets and, and the client's game design assets uh, and ideas and build a, a compelling game out of them. And um, let's talk about one of the games that you did do for a client. Uh, it's called Zombie Wonderland. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, I mean, we so do. I think it was in the top ten for a while. Right? Yeah, Zombie Wonderland was a. a it's a zombie zombie shooting, goo cleaning, house boarding, uh, zombie defense adventure game. It was released in uh, June, I believe, of 2010, uh, and it was in the top ten for several months. Um, from the development perspective, we are uh, certainly indie game fans. We really love games that have character, games that have style, games that are presenting something interesting and bringing it to the table in a, a way that actually brings value to the game's marketplace. So it was a great project to work on because uh, you know it had a really unique feel, unique art, unique art direction. Uh, it stands out, we feel, a lot from other uh, games in the mobile marketplace because it was willing to take risks and, and put some energy and investment into creating a unique art style. Um, and that, as well, there was a bunch of great little design challenges along the way, building the gameplay and optimizing the visuals for the mobile marketplace. Yeah. And um, so, how did you come across this project? Um, what were the circumstances? Did you, were you the first developer there? Um, can you talk about that? Um, yeah. So it was. Uh, I'm actually. I'm not sure. I'm comfortable talking too much about, about sure. the history of the development. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we met our, our client through, uh, actually through the internet, through the Unity collaboration forums. Um, and I think this is something that, uh, that people are finding all over the place. Um, the developer of Monaco mentioned last night that he's found some of his greatest collaborators through just take, getting involved in, in online development communities where there's a lot of energy and a lot of uh, real aspiration for good work. And so we found this to be the case uh, on the Unity forums. And we found uh, Alex, our client, on the forms and, and built a relationship with him at GDC uh, and chatted about the game and, and the work we could do for him. Um, yeah, and, and so Matt so, and built a relationship face-to-face. -face. Okay, well, there were some issues with the game before you guys took it over. Can you talk about some of the game mechanics you had to in introduce or you had to change to actually make it work, to make it a game that could be in the top ten? Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, there was a number of challenges um, that are particular to to mobile games, um, and optimizing the the visuals to give it a uh, real flair is definitely one of them. And that's something that we were able to bring. Uh, we have a certain depth of technical experience, and we were able to bring that to bear on those problems. Um, setting up, you know, the proper shaders to get things to look right, um, managing draw calls, batching draw calls, um, managing uh, transparencies, kind of trying to minimize the number of animations, all that basic stuff, and then trying to figure out the best way to use particles and uh, and and baked-in lighting to really give the game a unique visual style uh, in ways that could push the boundaries of the iPhone and the iPad 
without bumping into real hits and performance. Uh, and that was a lot of fun uh, as a development team. And did you have to focus on any of the gameplay, or were you more about implementation of the features? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is something that, that being uh, having roots maybe in indie development gives us a real feel for is we love games that play really well, that as a, as a user you sit down, you play it, they absorb you right away, uh, the mechanics are enjoyable to play. Um, and these are things like having having the zombies, uh, you know, be just tough enough that you feel uh, a reward for getting them. Not too easy, but certainly not too hard that it becomes an exercise in frustration over several minutes of play. So real basic mechanics like making the guns feel right, making the zombies have the right amount of speed and attack and health. We we uh, we were able to help a lot with that, just kind of giving the the gameplay a good feel. On top of that, we um, we're really a fan of of good user interfaces, of uh, good heads-up displays, making the animations and the presentation of the game really polished. We think it adds that extra mile um, to the game. And we often find that on high-quality projects, we spend half the time really adding polish, refining things, uh, making it so it's got that, that, that spit shine. Uh, and we were happy to do a lot of that on Zombie Wonderland. And did you have to do any... Um user testing or did you do any user testing? What was the feedback? What did you have to change based on preliminary tests? Certainly. Um, you know, we did a little bit of user testing, uh, perhaps not as much as maybe we would have liked. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people experience towards the end of a project, there's a lot of pressure to, to, uh, to release. So we did internal user testing, the client did some user testing. Um, what we found on release is, is that there was a big feel in the community that the game was too easy. And we, um, we had planned from the get-go to release content early to kind of reward our, 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 early, our early players. Uh, and we definitely tweaked the game feel during the first several weeks after release and released a second update. And thankfully, the game was not so bad that it developed a negative reputation. And our tweaks were uh, received quite well. And the community actually uh, seemed to appreciate it. And I think it actually uh, increased our popularity during the first couple months of, uh, after release. Okay, so you're saying that version 1.0 in on the App Store wasn't necessarily the huge success. You had to actually make changes to make it work. Well, I mean, it certainly we had a, we had good buzz with version 1.0, um, but there were minor things that we were able to correct very quickly that uh, that prevented it from fizzling out as early as it might have. Can you talk about those things? Yeah, no, really, it was it was difficulty. Uh, in a game like Zombie Wonderland, you you want to have to work a little bit to uh, to, to stay alive, and you know, at first our, our our opinion was that we want this game to be not too hard. You know, it's the mobile marketplace. People don't want something Nintendo hard. Um, but the feel from the community afterwards was really, you know, this is too easy, give us a challenge, we love how the game feels, make us have to work to win. Uh, and we were able to tweak things very slightly to really up the difficulty and make people feel more rewarded for winning the game. Uh, and I think that really helped continue the initial buzz that we, d we developed with the game. And were there anything you guys had to do in terms of marketing to get Zombie Wonderland out there, to get it, to get the buzz? Um, yeah, so I mean, we, this was a service work project for us, and our client was really responsible for, for marketing and development uh, and publicity. That being said, uh, certainly having um, Chilingo uh, backing the game uh, was absolutely crucial for its success. Um, they did a fantastic job marketing the game, uh, and our 
client in LA, hit it up with all the trade shows, got a lot of good press after release, and you know, there's no two ways about it. That was essential for for getting making the game as the success it was. So, what's next in store then for your little cooperative? Um, well, we're, we'll be tackling uh, Zombie Wonderland 2, which is really quite exciting because uh, this time around we're gonna we're gonna try to innovate a little bit more, push the boundaries, try to explore some new game design space that we can't quite talk about at this point. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe invest some more some more design love in the game. Uh, and aside from that, we're we've got a bunch of little. Uh, in-house projects that we're always working on and part of the reason that we choose to do service work is to build up enough of a runway, enough of a, a capital investment to get art for our indie projects because programmer art is not always ideal. Uh, and also let us prototype for a while. We've got probably half a dozen projects that we've spent several weekends on you know, and put aside for now just because we, we want to find the game that's really going to make, that's really going to be our uh, six-month development, the one that we really put our hearts into, and we're willing to spend some time preparing for that. Um, do you have an idea of what that game's going to be like? Are there any specific game genres that you do prefer? You know, we've, we've done so much, we do so much prototyping. Um, we have a game called Minor Threat, where you fly around in a little spaceship and blow up asteroids, and the asteroids are all built of voxels, and you know, you, you recover resources and upgrade your ship. We just wanted to play with that asteroids idea. That was two weekends, we have a, a you know, an indie release with that. Um, and it's something we're certainly intrigued with, but we're not going to touch it yet. We have a game called Tube, which is a procedurally generated, uh, somewhat roguelike-esque shooter, where you clear a room and then you jump into a tube and you tumble through the tube and land in your next your next maze. Uh, and we're hoping we were exploring some of the, the actiony side of roguelikes there. Um, we spent you know three weekends on that. It's a great idea. We're intrigued by it, but again, we're putting it aside for now. Um, and our current project is called Space Race, and it's uh, you know first we race to the moon, now we're racing on the moon, and uh, it's just going to be a, a race car racing action uh, two-player game for the iPad because we really we really miss the, the Nintendo days of, of old-school head-to-head uh, simple but engaging games and we're gonna try to replicate that on the iPad uh, so any number of these games we might at some point decide to take you know give the real the real polish to but for now we're quite happy prototyping are you going to focus on the iPad then in the future or iPhone you know, again, we're really experimenting. Um, honestly, we thought we've worked with the iPad, and, and we thought that uh, at first we liked it, but after about three, four weeks with it, we thought, well, this is kind of a big toy. Um, but there's been a real resurgence in, uh, in, in resurgence might not be the best word, there's been a real um, surge of two-player games on the iPad, hot seat games. Uh, Fruit Ninja HD did it, that was super cool. Uh, there's an indie game going on, I believe it's called Shot Shot Shoot, and it's super fantastic. We've been really surprised about how much we've enjoyed sitting down across an iPad and, and tapping our fingers like crazy. Um, that being said, we really don't believe there's much money in the iPad market, so it would have to be a project of love. Um, and that is definitely considered. Yeah. And um, yeah. So how are you going to balance now working for doing contract work for other people and doing your own stuff? How when is or when are you going to have enough runway to focus on your own? We're certainly getting there now, and uh, we are taking more time off proportionally these days to prototype. Um, you know, this summer we'd really love to devote several months to development on our own stuff. And uh, as soon as we decide what that project's going to be, we'll definitely let you know and, and try to get some early publicity on it. Um, 
it's kind of nice having a whole bunch of little prototypes because as soon as we decide what to do, we immediately have something to show and say, take a look at this, guys. What do you think this could be? What do you guys imagine this could be? This is how we think it's going to be. Yeah, let's talk about the prototype process. How, how do you coordinate time to actually do these prototypes and, and what is that process like and how long does it usually take? Um, you know, prototyping generally, we have a game in a weekend and a polished little nugget in two weekends. Um, so, you know, four days of development generally gives us the kind of prototype that we're happy to put on the back burner. Um, and are you just kind of in a room chilling with other people just doing development or is it, is it more formal? Yeah, I mean... We code all week for work, and so when, when we when we talk about doing prototypes, it definitely has to be a labor of love. Uh, and so generally, people everybody will come over because everybody's usually super psyched about doing prototyping. And half of the people might work, and the other half of the people might just play Xbox games and, and decompress from the week while having their voices heard by the people working on it. Um, but yeah, we try to keep the. In fact, we insist on keeping the prototyping process fun. Uh, and we only really do it when we're feeling super psyched to do it. Uh, when we actually get into uh, developing one of these prototypes, we'll put all the contract work on hold, or at least the bulk of it on hold, so that everybody really is energized by the process and not drained. So when you say you try to keep things fun, is it just coming up with funny ideas and just bouncing things off the wall? Or you know, being developers, uh, we love building little things. Um, and so, actually, one of the one of the pieces is being a, a computer science co-op of six programmers. We have to work to make sure that everybody is getting an interesting chunk of work when we do prototyping. Um, usually, we can break it up into three or four chunks. Like, you know, one person builds a level generator, one person builds uh, an enemy AI system, one person builds pathfinding and collision, and one person handles the whatever graphic style it's going to be. Um, but yeah, with a, with a fair-sized team. Uh, to make sure everybody's having a good time, breaking prototypes up into individual chunks of work is super important. Uh, because you want to really feel, if you're working on a prototype for four days, you want to feel at the end of every day that you've done a couple of really neat things and that they're all coming together into the main project. And where can listeners either check out, is there a place where listeners can see what games you've made and maybe where your future games will be placed? Yeah, we have a website uh, at www.twistedoakgames.com and we have a portfolio section uh, that showcases mostly our professional work. We have a side section with uh, our, our little prototypes and indie work, um, as well as some of our kind of laboratory work with some interesting procedural content and some fun little shaders. Thank you very much.